Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we'll give some attention to our first reading from Holy Scripture. It's a fascinating account. It's Jacob, and he's in a knockdown, drag out fight with the Lord in the middle of the night. The Lord actually picks a fight with Jacob, if you can believe it. And he wrestles with him until Jacob demands a blessing. It's a blessing he'll never forget. First, a little background here. Jacob is on the verge of reconnecting with his brother Esau. Hadn't seen him for about 20 years here. But he did remember Esau's last words, who made it crystal clear that when he saw Jacob, his brother, he was going to kill him. Esau, if you can remember, he had a good reason to be upset with his brother. He lost his birthright to Jacob. And then he had been tricked out of his blessing by his deceiving trickster brother. So when Jacob hears Esau is coming his way, marching toward him with 400 men, he's understandably feared with, filled with fear. So faced with the threat of death, Jacob turns to the Lord in prayer, and he prays a beauty of a prayer. He then crosses the ford of the Jabbok, and here it's worth taking a moment to pause. The name Jabbok is interesting. It means to be emptied out, to be poured out. And guess what? At this moment in Jacob's life, that's exactly what's going on with him. Jacob is being emptied out. He's being poured out. It's here where Jacob is most vulnerable. He's alone, middle of the night, with the threat of death all around him. And at that very moment where he's actually at his very weakest, it's here, now, that the Lord of glory picks a fight with him. Our text says that a man wrestled with Jacob through the night. Given Jacob's fear of Esau, you've got to wonder whether he thought at first his brother Esau, who was fighting with him. But as the night went on and as the fight raged on, it became abundantly clear that this adversary of his was no mere man, but it was the Lord himself. As to this wrestling match, Jacob clearly was a scrapper. And when the Lord saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and put Jacob's hip out of joint as he wrestled with him, thus crippling Jacob for the rest of his life. But even as the sun was coming up, Jacob would not let go. Even said he wouldn't until the Lord had blessed him. But first, the Lord asks Jacob his name. And that's strange, isn't it? Because it's the Lord after all. Of course, he knows Jacob's name. But when Jacob is asked to disclose his name, and the name Jacob comes off his lips, we should know what's happening. Because Jacob means heel grabber. It means usurper. But he might as well be saying, 
I'm a sinner. So at that confession, the Lord gives him a new name, Israel, which means one who strives with God and wins. And then the Lord blessed him. Much to consider today with this account. When Jacob gets to that river, it's called Javak, a place of emptying, a place of pouring out. But when he leaves, after encountering the Lord of heaven, he calls it Peniel, a confession that there he had seen God face to face. What can we learn here? Well, through faith and through the struggle of the cross, one learns to recognize and experience God rightly. Consider the first three Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We Christians, we call this the theology of the cross. It's the consistent message of the scriptures that God accomplishes his greatest good precisely in the midst of suffering and trial and wrestling. I want you to consider what Jacob underwent here. The threat of death and God's wrath. A knockdown, drag-out fight with the Lord of glory and a permanent crippling as well. We see here that Jacob's victory was actually not in some sort of strength or power in and of himself. Instead, this victory is in God's intervention to empty him, jabbock him, if you will, wound him in order to heal, humble him in order to exalt, and in a way kill that he might make him alive. All to give to him a faith which holds so firmly to God's word that it overcomes God's wrath and obtains God as a very kind and gracious Lord. You see, to bear the name Israel and to bear the name Christian and to prevail with God truly means to be humbled before him, to be broken. There's not a single one of us here who doesn't at one time or another need to be knocked off of his high horse, humbled and broken down before God. Or as King David puts it, a broken and contrite heart, O God, this you will not despise. You see, by contrition, by sorrow over sin, and by faith in the gospel, that is how one lays hold of the treasures of heaven and is saved. Jacob, you see, he trusted in the mercy of Jesus Christ, and he came face to face with the God of love. You probably noticed today that Jacob isn't the only one wrestling with God this morning. That Canaanite woman in our gospel, she wrestles with the Lord too, doesn't she? By all appearances, it looked and seemed like Jesus was her adversary, her enemy even. But in truth, he was her dearest friend through it all. He seemed to be ignoring her pleas for mercy, but her faith was too strong to believe that. 
because she had the sort of faith that didn't even bank upon her own experience or what her eyes even saw. She had the sort of faith that was centered upon Christ and his word alone. She held fast to him. And it was a faith that Jesus called great. This Canaanite woman, she believed in the promise given to Jacob's grandfather Abraham. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And her faith rested upon that promise that she was included, that she belonged. Just like Jacob, she refused to let go of the Lord. Martin Luther, he just loved this stuff. He said that the Canaanite woman had caught the Lord in his own words, trapped him in his own promises. Or my personal favorite, Luther would say that the Canaanite woman, she stuck to Jesus like burrs stick to a dog. Wouldn't let go. Christian faith, you see, is a stubborn and persistent thing. It believes in the gospel. It clings tenaciously to the promise that God is merciful to us for Christ's sake. But the greatest wrestling match the world has ever known was actually on Good Friday. Because that was the day when Christ went toe-to-toe with all the powers of hell. And he didn't just wrestle, but he would be spit upon and beaten, whipped and ridiculed. And as he suffered for us and was pinned to the cross, he was coming face-to-face with the Father's wrath against sinners. And there would be no limping away from this bout like Jacob. Instead, it would mean his death and his burial. But because our Jesus, our champion, was holy and righteous, it would also mean resurrection from the dead, and it would mean eternal life for all who would believe and trust in him. Because his death emptied out the powers of hell. Also that when he rose from the dead, you might come face to face with the boundless love of God. Dear friends, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're suffering, we learn today not to rely on our own strength to prevail, but instead we trust in the Lord and Him alone. No matter what you're suffering or what knock-down, drag-out fight you're currently in the midst of, don't forget that it's the Lord who's on your side, not as your adversary, but always, always as your friend. Just ask any father who likes to wrestle with his own children, and he'll tell you it's the joy of a father to let his child win. And the reward for clinging to the mercy of Christ, it's well worth it. It's well worth the wrestling and the striving, because therein is the forgiveness of sins, and there is the benefit of a good and clean conscience before God And there is the gift and joy of eternal life in his kingdom. Jacob, he clung to the pre-incarnate body of Jesus and he lived. But you've got it far better. You eat his body and you drink his blood so that you might be blessed and live forever. That Canaanite woman, she hungered for mercy 
content to be a dog eating the crumbs that fell from her master's table. But you, you're a friend of the king and an honored guest at the Lord's table. Where that Canaanite woman begged for crumbs, the Lord instead lays before you the main course and a very lavish feast. For in this meal and every time we gather together, we come face to face with the love of God and learn also to pour ourselves out completely for the needs of our neighbor. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God which surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.